The views and opinions expressed on the Poor Ass Podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of BME Recovery Content Productions. Any content provided by our guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. And on that note, enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. I have a new website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes. That's www.poraspodcast.com. So if you hear vcomedy.com, that is the old website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes and enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Bye. Coming up on the Porous Podcast. Yeah. If you ever do that again, um, that would be really, like, really helpful. Um, So... Okay, so the work that you do now, neurotalent consulting, helping okay. businesses with their hiring uh, practices, and just to give some like context, like the unemployment rate among the autistic community is ridiculous. 60 percent, um, according to www.leadership.global, they mm-hmm. cited at eighty five percent unemployment rate among ASD or um, autistic the autistic uh, population mm-hmm. for various ways either uh, can't find a job having trouble finding a job um, you know just not quote acing the interview because they're not interviewing in a neurotypical way and therefore they're bad candidates like yeah. that and, uh, and retaining retaining a job mm-hmm. and keeping uh, and keeping a job so the services that that you pr- provide like in in within the context of intersectionality and discrimination how how are you helping companies shift their perspective in changing their hiring practices to be neuro inclusive mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think um you know you kind of touched on the the you know, main problem, one of the main problems. Um, Obviously, there are several different sorts of problems that speak to how large that unemployment rate is. But, you know, things like discrimination once you're an employee and just not getting the right support or not getting the right amount of like empathy from your coworkers and peers that you have to work with. But most of it is just getting past the interview process in the first place, because there is this unconscious need for the person that you hire to be like, quote unquote, likable somehow. So it's just, it's like this weird human thing. And it's very similar, speaking of like intersectionality, it's very similar to the way, um, you know, people that like have English as a second language um, are treated in interviews if they need to speak slower because hello, this is their second language, sometimes third language and so on. 
that automatically in the person's mind, it's like, okay, this person has low intelligence. It's like, no, 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 no. They're converting like several languages in their mind right now. Um, but it's, it's like, it's that sort of thing where we miss a social cue and a social cue, it could just be like, you know, they, they didn't actually ask a question, but you should have known to answer it. Right. Like, um, so you worked for Twitter. Where was the question? Where, where was the, where was the question in that? Right. And so like those sorts of things. So say I don't answer that quote unquote question the way that they expect. And it comes across weird and awkward. All of a sudden I'm dumb to them unconsciously Mm -hmm. in their mind. Even if it's, even if they try to not be, um, uh, discriminatory in that way, it's just this Mm -hmm. very unconscious bias that, um, you know, it is really frustrating, but I, it, it's, I do believe very unconscious. So a lot of the work I do is just making that stuff conscious, right? It's just pointing to here are all the ways in which interviewing is such an unnecessary minefield. Welcome to Poor Ass Podcast. The show that talks about tough shit on a budget. With your host, Veronica Porras. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Poor Ass Podcast, the podcast where we talk about uh, living sustainably while on um, a budget. Today's guest, guest is Faith Signs. She's the founder of NeuroTalent Consulting. She is a longtime veteran of technical talent acquisition. She is an autism educator, speaker, and writer. Her company, NeuroTalent Consulting, helps companies understand that autistic people think differently, not worse, and also work with autistic talent to coach them through neurotypical hiring process. Welcome, Faith, to the podcast. So thank how did you. I, yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming. So how did I meet Faith? Uh, so I got let go of my job in July, 2022 and started creating episodes on later in life, autistic later in life diagnoses, uh, with women, women of color on the spectrum. I just started following more LinkedIn uh, professional profiles that are talking about adult autism. And uh, I don't know, Faith was just one of those people like because, okay, algorithm story. So because I'm interacting with more DEI consultants on, on LinkedIn and that type of content, Faith, the algorithm picked up Faith and she popped up um, on my feed. I was really liking what she was saying about the hiring process when it comes to autistic individuals. And, um, you know, talk about groundbreaking. I was following Faith before she started Neurotalent Consulting. I think I think you just got laid off as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so I've been like since the pre-beginning of following her career on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and just becoming a more prolific voice in the autism community. 
mm-hmm. dealing with uh, trolls and mm-hmm. algorithm suppression <laughs> and all that good like uh, content. But before we get into that, let's start from the beginning and uh, tell me a little bit about your your autism story. Like how how did you come into your own awakening that faith mm-hmm. was is on the spectrum? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it was definitely a really long, slow start. It started with randomly one night when I was like probably 22, 23, coming across an article, reading it, being like, oh no, that's me. <laughs> Just kind of thinking like, don't know how to process that. Going to tuck that one away and <laughs> not think that, about that for another couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, you know, I... When I had gotten into my recruiting career. So I started working for uh, a tech company, Expedia, um, back in like 2016. And um, I... I could tell right away I was good at, I was good at the work and I really enjoyed the work, but I was also really, really struggling for a lot of reasons that weren't the work, right? It was a lot of reasons around the work and the way the work was happening that I was really, really struggling with. And, um, you know, then it was like, came, came up again and like an article here and I saw this online and then I started doing some of my own research. And then I asked my therapist, do you think this could be a thing and kind of went down that road, but it really was like the pressure was on me because I was, I was performing so poorly at work. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I knew like, I've never been like a bad quote unquote worker. Like I've never, I'm, I knew myself, I'm not lazy. I don't have a bad attitude. Like these aren't things that are true about me. And like, why am I struggling so much more than everybody else? And so that's kind of what caused me to seek out getting a diagnosis, which took a long time. I definitely was self-diagnosed for several years. So Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, and, and just a quick thing, because I mentioned self-diagnosis on LinkedIn the other day, and there are a lot of even autistic people that like raised a lot of concern about the validity of it. And, um, and just to be clear, like when I say self-diagnose and when most all of us say self-diagnose, we are not talking about getting online and like doing an am I autistic BuzzFeed quiz. Like that is not, like that is not what happened. It's, it, it was a long, intense, like I went back through like my childhood memories. I asked my parents and my family friends that were adults questions about who I was as a little kid and the way I behaved. I mean, it was a long you know, process like it is for a lot of people. But anyway, I just wanted to say that because it bothers me when people don't validate self-diagnosis. If it was accessible and we could all get to it, an actual official diagnosis, then maybe I'll, maybe I'll hear that argument someday. But, um, (laughs) but anyway, I was self-diagnosed for a while um, Mm -hmm. and just deciding that like, okay, I think I'm autistic and now I'm going to try and change some of the ways I'm living to suit what it sounds like would be better for me based on this research, you know, like I'm going to wear noise canceling headphones at work and I'm going to try to, you know, tuck away in a conference room when I'm doing things where I really need to focus and, you know, all of these things. And, and my performance started turning around so quickly (laughs) and not just my performance, but like I would go home from work feeling like I had a little bit of human left (laughs) And I hadn't felt like that in a really long time. Like I used to be so baffled by people that would like 
go to happy hour after work and then like go home and do all these things, like clean their house and make a dinner and like all this. I'm like, who are you? Like, I can't, I can't like do anything after work, like, but it was because I was exhausting myself. Right. Cause you know, I was constantly in bright lights and loud noises and all of these things. And I was masking all the time. So that's what caused my poor work. And, you know, looking back, you see all of the things that's part of self-diagnosis is being like, Oh my gosh, because I, I dropped out of high school after my sophomore year because I was like, this is, I don't like it school. I don't like it. And I just left. <laughs> like I decided I didn't want to do math anymore. And I just bailed. And like, that's the most autistic thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but um, I think autistic people struggle a lot with school and with work because no. they're both very regimented things and like, you know, classically so. And so that's why autistic people excel when they can make their own environments and when kids go to like charter schools where they're like their time is more f- more free form mm-hmm. they really excel in in that way um but anyway i'm on a tangent now but that's my story <laughs> awesome um so so that's your story and and um ta- so the transition from from being an employee to now you're a a business owner Mm -hmm. and, and in, in that transitioning, like what, what was internally happening with you to make that jump? And I just, I preface this as, you know, I, I, I'm working, I'm a full-time worker and I have this, Mm -hmm. the side business that I have like Mm -hmm. podcasting and it's really overwhelming and and I was brought up in a family business and we worked very hard and looking back at it, it that wasn't good. Like, yes, it, it instilled some sort of work ethic in me, but the work ethic was a hard does it where mm-hmm. you just burn yourself out and you crash mm-hmm. and you're a piece of shit for crashing in the first place. It was really abusive. And, and Mm. so those are ingrained in me where it's like, I got to pump out and produce and book this guy and, and, you know, pay for that service. And so Mm -hmm. anyway, I recently had a cat, a guest on and uh, she was going to be a speaker at this conference on like, Uh, neurodiverse entrepreneurs and Mm -hmm. you know she was talking about like um business growth as a uh neurodiversity like business growth is going to look different and that just blew me away it was free to go i didn't go i got scared and but you know it's like the I took the step of registering. That, that's right. as far as I could get. That was a step. <laughs> that was a step. That but was a step. it blew my mind. I'm like, oh my God, I'm and other autistic influencers and advocates are saying the same thing where yeah. business growth, if you're a neurodivergent entrepreneur, it is going to look um, different and growth yep. is going to look look different so it's like okay but we're still in capitalism this hustle culture is going strong for the like the last 300 years and um 
you know, I don't Are, see it quite stopping. I, I haven't COVID can't put a pause. to just quit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> COVID you can't just say, pause. I quit capitalism. <laughs> I quit. Yeah. Uh, and something has, has I, the change, the, the change is slow. And just the type of discussion and discourse that's coming up in LinkedIn, like, like it's, okay, I'll, I will make this connection. So work from home work from home and I'm going to relate that to neurodiversity business business growth like I I and I've been working from home since the pandemic started and it's been three years mm-hmm. oh wait three or three and a half yeah, like oh yeah it's been over three years I've been 100% work from home I've never gone back to an office knowing mm-hmm. that I'm autistic and the accommodations that I need, I will never go back into an office like ever, mm-hmm. like yep. fucking ever. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, I am determined to make that happen. I don't know yeah. how, but you know, in, in it's like, okay, neurodivergent business growth. Like, can I make a sustainable living and never leave my house? <laughs> it's like, that I mean, is the question. <laughs> <laughs> that is the question we're all asking ourselves. <laughs> so in this pivot, this is like a significant pivot. And then when yeah. it comes to like ch- changes in schedule, changes mm-hmm. in the environment, changes mm-hmm. in the real in, in relationship, just like the day to day living as an autistic yeah. person. And again, yeah. putting the focus on me, putting the focus mm-hmm. on Veronica, my lived experience. Um, you know, that the only thing constant is change and like, blah, blah, blah. You're not autistic. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's like, I get, <laughs> I get that. But yeah. like, like the, the feelings that I have in, in the outside world expects you to change like so quickly. And it's like, mm-hmm. wait, I have feelings yeah. about that. I know it's important. Like I know change is important. There's been a lot of internal changes happening in my own household. When mm-hmm. I talk to my brother, we have collaboration Saturdays where we talk about the household. That was like challenging in mm. itself to engage with a family member and, and talking about mm-hmm. changes. And so, um, you know, the big change that we're talk- talking about is um, integration back into society. And like, because we've been sheltering in place for the last uh, three years. So what does mm-hmm. that look like? And, yeah. and even simple changes, like we had this whole decontamination like process that we do, like exiting and exiting the household and entering. Mm. And so very laboratory, like, and I was fine with that, like, cool. Yeah. And then he was like, should this, like, should this not be part of our decontamination process? And I would just sit there and be like, uh, why not? Maybe, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, you know, do we, cause we, okay. Like we have a closet, we have an, we call it, I call it the outdoor closet and I keep outdoor shoes in the outdoor closet. Mm-hmm. And, and then, so the discussion was like, should we have outdoor shoes be like track them in, like be part. And I'm like, no, they're going to leave mud. <laughs> and, and then I had my, my brother had to explain it to me. Like there's a difference between like, you know, life and death, like infecting each other. Or is this like not being an asshole? Like, yeah. it, so I was like, they're both, it's both. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the same. 
that's what I was equating. <laughs> that's what I was thinking in my head. Like, I don't want to be an asshole and I don't want to yeah. kill you. So the shoes stay in the closet, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it's like no, there's a nuance and like, you know, mud tracking mud in the apartment, that's not being an asshole. That's not like, you know, life and death. I'm like, oh, but I was thinking the same. Like that's the same. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it took me a while to process that where you know, and I would feel so dumb. Like in like, okay, ableist word you know, that's not the context that I'm, I'm not dumb, but it's like what I'm trying to find words, like what, like, you know, what you were talking about earlier, the expectations Mm -hmm. of, of, you know, meeting, meeting like an outside expectations of like, you should have gotten that right away. Like, you know, we're talking about decontamination and you should have known the difference that tracking mud in the house is not the same as trying to kill you. But I couldn't make that connection. It took a while from, I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, okay. Uh, They're different. (laughs) Yeah. I I do feel like, um, you know, a lot of autistic people have really black and white thinking. That's definitely an autistic characteristic. And I, and Mm -hmm. I think, um, a lot of times too, it's hard when sometimes I, I refer to my autism, like it's a, like a secondary thing that kind of sits next to my conscious mind and they're both kind of in control. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but they're, they're, they can be at odds all the time. And yeah. my conscious mind can know something is illogical and that doesn't stop me from being incredibly frustrated that it's happening and feel like I need to stop it from happening and feel like this change is bad, 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 bad. And like all of this reactionary stuff while my mind is like, what are you doing? This is dumb. Like you're making a big deal out of nothing. Like the logic is still there. So it's super frustrating because it doesn't mean you're not going to still have that reaction because you're just a human. So, but, um, yeah, I think, um, I'm trying to, um, you asked me about transitioning from, yeah. Tr- so the pivot from, mm-hmm. you know, being an employee, uh, doing technical talent acquisition stuff mm-hmm. and various roles or various companies. So at your, and so you pivoted in the last job that you had and the job yeah. that you have now, which is your own, your own business, that pit, yes. like that pivot. So mm-hmm. can you go more into like what, how, how did you process that change? Cause that's a significant mm-hmm. milestone yeah. to go from a W2 to, you know, your own Ooh. to an LLC. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think I have to like go back a little further to kind of make it all make sense, but I had a really, negative, negative experience two employers back. So my most recent job that I was laid off from in November, that was with Twitter. And I loved working there. Nothing but wonderful things. But before that, I was with Uber, which I don't mind saying their name again, Uber. And they were terrible. (laughs) They were truly, it was a, it was a really, really awful experience to the point where like I was consulting with lawyers and very much had a case very much and just decided I didn't want to do the spoons. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go through the process and I stand by that. But anyway, at the end of it, essentially what happened was I was an employee, but I was not working for like three months because they had done something so bad that HR was like, take time off. Like you're an employee through the rest of the year. They were basically like, please don't sue us. Please don't sue us. Right. So, um, (laughs) so 
I had like a three month period of not working. And near the end of that three months, I'd signed on with Twitter. So I knew in the beginning of the year, I would be working again. But I did have this big empty space of time. And that was the real hard adjustment because it was very unexpected. I didn't plan it or see it coming. That was really, really hard for me because I loved my job. And all of the sudden, not only was I not doing my job, but that also meant I had zero routine of any kind, which is something that is incredibly challenging for autistic people to just not be able to move in our, in our usual routine. So that really turned me upside down. So then by the time I started with Twitter, I had felt so fired up about that. And, and so like, um, settled in the fact that I was just not having any of that shit in my life ever again. I was very much like, I am going to do me and I'm going to make people accept it. And I'm also going to make money. (laughs) I'm going to do, and this is exactly how it's going to be or else. That's what I decide. And I, and some would say that that's crazy and I snapped, but I stand by it. Um, (laughs) So going into working with Twitter, I knew that was temporary. I knew that I was going to be working towards working for myself. So I think the whole year I was with Twitter, I was with Twitter for close to a year. I started in January and then Elon laid us all off in November. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, working with Twitter, it was a really wonderful experience. So getting laid off was challenging and losing the routine again was challenging. I was out of a routine, into a routine, out of a routine again. But I really... Instead of, I mean, I went low, low after my Uber job in that three months. Instead of going there, I was like, okay, I don't want to just go get another job. So we we have to do some problem solving. <laughs> like, you know, what is what is it that we're going to do now? And so I came up with a plan for my business, and I started going towards it. And I am I I, I launched my business in March on International Women's Day, um, and I it's you know beginning of August. And I feel like I'm just now in a place where I'm like, okay, I feel like I have a routine again. I feel like, you know, things are evening out again. So it, it's been really, really challenging. But um, I think for me, I've just been trying to, because now I am the uh, decider of my calendar and my schedule and all of those things. So I try to make myself lean into like consistency of, you know, these are the times when I try to have meetings. These are the times when I try to work and do other things. And, you know, my, my day, I try to regiment it into something relatively structured while mm-hmm. also allowing myself to kind of register, like, what are my spoons at today? What can I actually significantly do? Cause that was another thing that was like a reason I started my business is I want to be able to work without, a a boss breathing down my neck because they have a boss breathing down their neck because they have a boss breathing down their neck because they have a billionaire breathing down their neck. I wanted to be able to rest when I felt like I needed rest work when I felt inspired to work. Like I wanted it to be able to be like that. And so it's a little bit of like, it's taken a while for me to get a balance of making myself work versus allowing rest when it's needed. And sort of the disciplinary aspect of that has been, probably the most challenging part, but mentally it's been so, so, so much better because it's not, you know, on the heels of something so traumatic. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I, so I was following you, um, before, like before you launched neuro talent 
consulting. And since then, I got to participate in one of your um, ev- events. It was uh, con- oh. Con- the, um, oh, uh, talk about consulting. It was free, free meet meeting on um, looking at resumes. It was the resume one. I don't think I did looking that. Resume. It was resumes. I don't think that was me. <laughs> I don't was know. the resumes? You did, um, you did, was it, I forgot what it was called. It was kind of like, I mean, I'm, I'm on your website right now. And so, was it, okay. um, was it some, a summer, a TA summer camp? TA summer camp. But it was just a session, like a, a session um, interview mm-hmm. Okay, so this is June. This isn't it. This was okay. Interview course for um, Altus. So that's that's June. But this was this was like I had a free session with one of your. Oh, okay. Yes, I'm so sorry. Yes, I'm so sorry. Wow, I I completely like forgot a whole thing that I did. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like that too. I did that. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't, but it was. It wasn't it this. Was, it wasn't. In, it wasn't an interview mm-hmm. course. It was like mm-hmm. I. I signed up on the calendar on yeah. a session to talk to one of your helpers. Yeah, on, yeah. On um, and it was a recruiter who was also neurodivergent as cool. well. And yeah. I had a, I had a a question on, like my question was like, hey, how do I pitch, um, why I left this this job mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I would at the last job that I got let go over like discrim- discrimination and um but okay how can I because I was only there I was only there for n- almost a year no mm. not even a year um eight months I was there for eight months right, and okay. so I was like okay like how do I explain this because right. you know my neurodivergent mind was like tell this truth <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, how can I work? And so the that's what I was stuck at because that's where the trauma happened. And it's like, mm-hmm. how can I pull this off professionally? Because mm-hmm. um, that's always that not always, but particularly that job experience was like really triggering. So how can I navigate this talking point with employers right. with, without going into detail? Because yeah. um, even if you say like... You, like I was thinking, I was thinking like literally like, um, manager discriminated me, you know, the moment I came out as new, like what <laughs> that, and like, I, I'm still going to be the bad person. Like it does. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 maybe this is my own bias, but I, every interview that I've ever had, I've never felt like this new potential employer had my best interests anyway. So even if mm-hmm. I said the truth, it wouldn't mm-hmm. matter to them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, how can I pitch this in a way where I address it, but not make it a big, a big deal. And mm-hmm. so anyway, person really helped me like navigate that. And oh, like, good. now I know what, what to say. And, yeah. and I'm not stuck on that anymore. Cool. Yeah. That was so fun. It was, um, I got a bunch of recruiters that I knew or had connected with um, to do free consultation calls to autistic job seekers during the month of April for 
um, autism appreciation month yeah. or whatever you want to call it. So yeah, yeah. that's what it was. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun to do. I, uh, was really excited that I had like, I think like two or three of the recruiters that signed up were autistic themselves also. So I was like, it was great. <laughs> No. Yeah. If you ever do that again, um, that would be really like really helpful. Um, so, okay. So the work that you do now, neurotalent consulting, helping Mm -hmm. businesses with their hiring, uh, practices. And just to give some like context, like the unemployment rate among the autistic community is ridiculous. 60, 60%, um, according to www.leadership.global, they Mm -hmm. cited at 85% unemployment Mm -hmm. rate among ASD or um, autistic, the autistic, uh, population, Mm-hmm. For various ways, either uh, can't find a job, having trouble finding a job, um, you know, just n- not, quote, acing the interview because they're not interviewing in a yep. neurotypical way and therefore they're bad candidates like yeah. that and, uh, yeah. and retaining, retaining a job mm-hmm. and keeping uh, and keeping a job. So the services that that you provide like in in within the context of intersectionality and discrimination how how are you helping companies shift their perspective in changing their hiring practices to be neuro inclusive Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think um you know you kind of touched on the the you know, main problem, one of the main problems, um, obviously there are several different sorts of problems that speak to how large that unemployment rate is, but, you know, things like discrimination once you're an employee and just not getting the right support or not getting the right amount of like empathy from your coworkers and peers that you have to work with. But most of it is just getting past the interview process in the first place, because there is this unconscious need for the person that you hire to be like, quote unquote, likable somehow. So it's just, it's like this weird human thing. And it's very similar, speaking of like intersectionality, it's very similar to the way, um, you know, people that like have English as a second language um, are treated in interviews. If they need to speak slower because hello, this is their second language, sometimes third language and so on that automatically in the person's mind, it's like, okay, this person has low intelligence. It's like, Mm. no, 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 (laughs) no, no. They're converting like several languages in their mind right now. Um, But it's, it's like, it's that sort of thing where we miss a social cue and a social cue. It could just be like, you know, they, they didn't actually ask a question, but you should have known to answer it. Right. Like, um, so you worked for Twitter, where was the question? Where, where was the, where was the question in that? Right. And so like those sorts of things. So say I don't answer that quote unquote question the way that they expect. And it comes across weird and awkward. All of a sudden I'm dumb to them unconsciously Mm -hmm. in their mind, even if it's, even if they try to not be, um, uh, discriminatory in that way, it's just this Mm -hmm. very unconscious bias that, um, you know, it is really frustrating, but I, it, it's, I do believe very unconscious. So a lot of the work I do is just making that stuff conscious, right? It's just pointing to here are all the ways in which interviewing is such an unnecessary minefield. Um, and it's also to like 
you know, the point I make with a lot of companies when I'm initially speaking with them is like, there are so many obvious, um, strengths that autistic brains, uh, have that neurotypical brains don't tend to excel in, in the same way. Mm -hmm. And it would benefit you to stop just hiring the person that like charms you the most in an interview. Like that's just bad business period. It's not even about wanting to be inclusive. It's like, that's a dumb idea to just hire someone that you want to grab a beer with after work. That's just plain and simple. That's stupid. Right. (laughs) So like, you know, of course I don't say that, but like, it's, it really is like just kind of helping them shift their perspective on expectations during an interview. And also a lot, a lot of it is, um, helping them understand how to coach and instruct their hiring managers and interviewers. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. because you know, a lot of like senior leaders, you know, I come from tech recruiting and a lot of like, you know, like senior director, so-and-so of software engineering, such and such at Twitter, like that's a big hefty title. And, you know, I should have, I shouldn't say Twitter cause I actually really liked a lot of people there, but you know, mm-hmm. any random example, like that person tends to a lot of times be like, Oh, well, I know what a good software engineer looks like. I've been doing this for X amount of years. And it's like, that's literally just a bias that you've created for yourself or what you think a quote unquote good software engineer looks like. Like that Mm -hmm. is not experience. That's just bias. And you have to give every new candidate a, a fresh page, a blank slate. They can't have the, the past candidate that you saw two years ago that was, reminds you of this person, they can't have all of those bad attributes, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, the last time I hired someone that was a little soft-spoken, they ended up not really, you know, blah, 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 pulling for this project or really putting in this and that. And so it's like mm-hmm. these little things they have in their head of, you know, I, I need someone that's going to be you know, like, uh, lead the team and getting the team excited and motivated. And really, is that what a software engineer does? Like, is is that what a software engineer does? (laughs) Because I am in the wrong field. They make a lot of money. And if that's all it takes, like (laughs) I'm in, um, Mm -hmm. but like a lot of them, you know, a lot of what I do with talent acquisition teams is help them, uh, basically sort of retrain their hiring teams on what best practices look like. Um, I'm, I'm working on hopefully putting a seminar together that just directly is for hiring managers, but I'm like trying to gauge the need or not the need, cause there's definitely a need, but just the realistic, like, is someone actually going to pay for that? And I don't, I don't know, especially right now, DEI mm-hmm. efforts are not something people are investing in right now. Yeah, I've been I've been reading a lot of posts uh, from DEI professionals that like you, you know it it was it hit its it hit its peak in 2020, uh, especially with like you know George George Floyd the murder of him mm-hmm. uh, public murder, and I was working at Nike at the time, and I will say like. Right off the bat, what what I saw Nike do, and I'm I'm never gonna work for them again, so I don't mind burning that bridge. But mm-hmm. I will say I will say this: it's like okay, yeah, you know, they did the statement, the official Nike statement. Uh, they had special sessions um, 
therapist, leader, or activist talk about, you know, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, addressing uh, racism, and all that, you know, awesome. Like, it was a great, it was a great, like, like panel. And mm-hmm. uh, we actually, there was a, um, another, like, webinar. Uh, the CEO was on it, said some things. And uh, people could post anonymously on, it was like a webinar and people could post anonymously. And I posted, if you guys like want diversity so much, why don't you guys step down and actually like recruit black, a black CEO to be yeah. of Nike? Cause you have your black players that you prop up, but they can't be yep. CEO. And I said something along a like, like that. And like, I got some likes and you could post anonymously. That's like the, right. again, one of the joys of working from home, I could yeah. like speak freely from the shadows and CEOs yep. don't, don't like that. But yep. did, did, uh, their leadership is still primarily white. The CEO yep. population is primarily white and male. So yeah, it was very like, you know, at the time, you know, performative, like, mm-hmm. a, like actually Absolutely. you could hire a speaker all you want, but yep. like the true advocacy comes from like the results, like the work, like, yep. like actually, you know, you could like hire someone like, like yourself, like, okay, mm-hmm. this is how you do it. Like, this is how yeah. you hire autistic people. And they're like, oh, yeah, so, like, oh, so great. And mm-hmm. then you leave, you get your fee, yeah. you yeah. get your thousands of dollar consulting fee, like, awesome for you. But do yeah. but in the long run, does said company mm-hmm. actually going to do the work to... Because yeah. I, I feel like as as an employee, like, I'm... I'm doing a lot of my own ad- advocacy, even yeah. even with the account with even with the accommodations, yeah, and definitely. navigating nuance. Like, you know, for for example, like I was, um, um, let's see, can I talk about this? Uh, okay, I'll put it in general general terms. So. Okay. I'm in a, I'm, I'm, I'm in this workplace situation and when it comes to significant meetings, like, you know, I have an appointment, like they put something on my calendar Mm -hmm. and, uh, this situation didn't call, didn't happen. Like the person wanted to talk to me like right after this meeting. And so the person talked to me right after this meeting and I I couldn't be like, it wasn't a situation where I could have been like, Hey, can we put this on the calendar? It was one of those really like quick, important meetings to tell me significant information. And so, and yes, this significant information is important. And Mm -hmm. yes, there's that black and white, my black and white autistic mind, like, no, you need to set up an appointment and (laughs) and like, what the fuck? Veronica, like you're, you're in front of me. I'm going to tell you the important information now. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I just get bombarded with this important information. And I'm just like, okay, I got to process this. I'm like, can Mm -hmm. I rebuttal? Uh, I mm-hmm. could still rebuttal, right? And is it too late? And then, you know, um, 
And then I just like shut down. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it all, it worked out in the, in it worked out, but like, I don't want to leave with like, and everything is okay. It's like, okay. When it comes to like working with autistic people, um, I didn't need to be like, like, um, ambushed that way that could easily put yeah. on my schedule because the, la- you know, the person, the last person who gave me significant information, put something on the calendar and like, mm-hmm. okay, I could like prepare, but it's like, you know, it's like the nuance of like, of, you know, maybe 95%, I'm not going to get the calendar. I'm not going to get that booking. And yes, I'm going to be bombarded with like information Mm -hmm. and I could like have, I mean, I, you know, I, a mini meltdown. I had feelings. I have, I fucking had feelings of like, I, I wasn't prepared. I feel stupid and not my business to project like what's going on with me to this, person who's giving me significant information but it's like I got to come up with some with some processes of like okay I got bombarded with information like surely I could like you know go stim for maybe 10 minutes right Mm -hmm. get some sort of regulation going Mm -hmm. regroup in the 10 minutes and and then like respond so Mm -hmm. okay yeah i didn't get the my ideal book account book a meeting on my calendar you have access to my calendar it's like i could have that so what um what have what processes have you done i mean i know you have your own business but maybe there's some other um nuanced social things that you've navigated like i don't know someone someone coming into your dms and like multi-million dollar company or billion dollar company and then like faith like (laughs) hey um we have this thing and um been following you forever and so exciting you have your new business yeah all the compliments i'm like hey can you but they do it in a way of like 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 they're picking your brain like for free and it's Mm -hmm. like how are you navigating like being bombarded with free free advice when like no you got to pay me for this yeah um yeah so for me um something that i decided with starting my business and this is like for better or for worse, it's not something that I necessarily suggest (laughs) or think is especially logical, but I decided like, I am going to do business my way. I'm going to do business like an autistic person. And that means that when called for, I'm going to be direct. I'm going to be honest and clear. This is what is happening. This is what is not happening. And, you know, so I, I will say, I will get on LinkedIn and say, stop reaching out to me and asking me to do things for free, like on my page, because I really do want people to to do it. And I respond back to people and I, and I say like, you know, again, these are my rates. 
let me know if you'd like to schedule something. Like just, I don't, I don't go back and forth. I don't wax poetic to them about why it's important to pay, you know, advocates because they don't care. I don't think they care. Um, I think they're checking a box, right? They're looking to be able to say they've done it. And so like for me, um, if I'm going to spend my time with you so that you can check a box, you're absolutely paying me for that. Like 100% that is what will happen. And, um, you know, it has, I will say, um, you know, it's been clear to me that the sort of consulting portion of my business is going to be the slowest to really get up and running for those specific reasons. I'm, I'm having to create a lot of boundaries and um, I've gotten very close to contracts being signed with some major companies and then them not being signed for specific reasons. Um, but at the same time, I knew like um, I have to create different avenues to get this information out because I can't only talk to people that invite me and do it the right way. And like, you know, like the people who work for the company who reached out to me asking to pick my brain for free still deserve to have this information and to have their leaders have this information. And it's not their fault that their leaders suck. <laughs> like don't like want to pay people what they're worth. So it's like, for me, I try to create, and that's why I'm doing things like webinars and stuff like that. But because like, I'm trying to create other avenues for this information to be shared because, um, yeah, it's really hard being an advocate because like, um, you're supposed, it's expected that you're just doing it for free, but like, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have extensive knowledge and background and experience. Like I've been in talent acquisition for years and years. Like my information is valuable period. And I know it is. And so it's just about continuing to like reaffirm that in myself. Um, I absolutely could not have started this business, you know, 10 years ago when I was 23, that would never have happened because I would have been like, Oh, okay. Sorry. Like just the other day, actually, um, I was, <laughs> I was oh, yeah, yeah, it's true though. Right. Um, yeah. I want to be careful about how I say this cause I still might work with this organization and I don't think they're a bad organization, but essentially I had someone reach out to me from this organization. It's not a company. They just do stuff. I won't get too specific, but yeah, yeah. Um, they basically, um, reached out to talk about potentially me coming and speaking for them at one of their events. And, um, the, at the beginning of the call, he, the, he was just asking me, like, tell me about what you're doing tell me about the work you're doing. And so I just like was telling him and I mentioned like, you know, I'm putting a webinar together and he, it was the weirdest like word manipulation. I, like I, at the end of the conversation, he was like trying to get me to agree to have them host my webinar for free. I get paid nothing. I get nothing. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. like, you're going to have such an, such a huge audience. Um, this is going to be a bunch of TA people that are going to want to hear this. So essentially like, it'll be good for your business. So you should do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it was very like, I'm thinking of doing this webinar. Well, let's, well, let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's do it. Like a sort of a positive, I want to back you. But then in the end of it, it's like, no, like I was going to, I was going to charge people for that. Right. Like, and so, um, you know, it's, it really is not for the faint of heart. Like I, I walked out of that conversation, not totally disagreeing with him. And I had to like sleep on it and realize what he was trying to do and email him later and be like, this isn't working for me. Like actually, because it was very, 
it was just very, uh, it was, uh, it was confusing because it really is a great opportunity when you think about the audience. But at the same time, like I can't continue just doing everything for free. Like (laughs) I can't, that's not fair to ask of me. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. Because you, mm-hmm. you know, exp- I, people keep saying it. I'll keep saying it. Exposure doesn't pay the bills. Nope. Exposure <laughs> doesn't pay the bills. Yeah. Yeah. Lacey, landlord doesn't them. care. Yeah. Landlord never cared about how many followers you have. I <laughs> wish they would. If landlord was like, you know, depending on your followership, you get discount <laughs> on rent. I'm like, that'd be love that. But you know, we that wouldn't be fair because you have like some followers with larger followings than than others that wouldn't be equal yes good for you so Mm -hmm. um okay so you have the business you know Mm -hmm. you're doing all the things and but you know I, I'm I'm autistic ADHD and you know I, I need my I need my breaks um I have one of those like uh uh foam foam rolls but it's the spiky foam, mm. foam rolls that really like um because yeah. I naturally hold trauma in my body and I and mm. and my neck stores a lot of a lot of trauma the the most and the like the upper back so like on on my breaks I'll just like roll my my neck because it gets those like those points and like that's that's what I do but um talk a little bit about what do you do when you have when it's a no spoon day and can you describe in your own words what does no spoons day mean for you and what do you do yes yeah um my version of spoons in my brain translate translates roughly to overall capacity um and that's like neurological but it your neurological state uh affects physical and emotional and everything else and so it isn't a day where i'm like i just really need a me day it it is not that and by the way me days are great me days are important those days are valid but that's not what a no spoons day is a no spoons day is i literally cannot today (laughs) like to think about having to go into this meeting, run this errand, do this thing, work for this, whatever is just not, it just isn't going to happen for me today. Um, and it is something that, um, there are definitely for the most part in my life, I can kind of see them coming because it's like, if I'm really overexerting myself or if I'm, I'm all of the sudden in a really stressful situation or something, but a lot of times I can also just wake up randomly and just, I don't have any spoons and I don't have any answer for why that is either. So, um, I start with, uh, being really nice to myself. That's something my therapist taught me. I had a very unkind, um, inner monologue or inner dialogue or whatever you call it. I had a very unkind one of like, why can't you just do this? You're so lazy. You're so this, you're so that. And so, now I like out loud, I found a lot of value with saying stuff out loud to myself. Like it is okay that you need this time of rest. Rest is productive. Like I just say these things to myself when I really need, it helps me to be kind to myself. Right. But my no spoons days are, I, I spend like 15, 20 minutes in the beginning of the day, just making sure that 
you know, if I have a meeting that needs to be canceled, I, I reschedule. And if I have one email that if I don't send it, the world burns down, I'll send that email really quick. And then the rest of the day is a very specific and intentional lack of structure and plan. And like, it is basically me on the couch with my dogs watching um, a show that I've watched a billion times so that I know it like community or the office or friends, something that like I literally could just quote every line because it like, it's like regulating in a way, you know? And so I do that. I have stim toys all over the place. I have like three different drinks at all times. I always have water, some kind of tea or coffee. Like I have, I'm carrying all of these drinks from room to room. Um, (laughs) And just like little, I try to do little like comforts like that. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. I try to make my experience of that day as non terrible, <laughs> non crappy as possible. Not like, you know, um, just stressing about what's not getting done because no spoons days can very easily turn into just stressing over what's not getting done. And mm-hmm. that's not going to help you get your spoons back at all. So for me, when I, when I have a quote unquote, no spoons day, I have to force myself to be, like actively restful and unproductive intentionally and also okay with that, like mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how it goes for me. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, do you find yourself masking more or masking less since um, having your form since the formal, well, probably maybe go back. Like, do you find yours? Did you find yourself masking more or less during the time where you were um, self-diagnosed or, and then, you know, masking more or masking less since Mm -hmm. your official diagnosis? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, the way that I talk about the unmasking that I've done so far in my life, it doesn't feel most for the most part, very optional to me. Um, I can decide to start masking intentionally for like a short sort of period of time for say like a 30 minute meeting or whatever, obviously. But when I say like, when I say it's not necessarily intentional, like once I started learning about this, like autistic things that I was experiencing and that were like, you know, the, the environments that were troubling to me and things like that. Once I started realizing the masking I was doing little by little, all of the unconscious masking became conscious and then it became work, right? Like I had, I wasn't, I had never thought to myself before, just block out all of this noise. That's what's exhausting you. I just went home every day and was exhausted. I didn't know in my brain that it was because I heard differently than other people here. I don't have auditory filters other people have. I didn't know that was true. You only know your own experience. But once you know these sorts of things, once I realized how much I was changing my speech pattern and how much I was forcing eye contact and those sorts of things, then it became a conscious thought in my mind while I was having a conversation. Okay, look at them, look at them, now look away, now look at them again. Like all of that stuff. So it really became impossible for me to keep up to that same level or standard. It, it was too hard. So Mm -hmm. that became something that I did little by little, just because I didn't really have the capacity to continue masking anymore. Um, but then, you know, there was really no change for me when I got my official diagnosis. I only did that 
personally to check a box so that nobody could go back one day and be like, she's not even autistic. Like that doesn't care about self-diagnosis. I basically Mm -hmm. did it to check a box because I knew it was true. I knew it was true. Like Mm -hmm. once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's very prevalent in my life and my childhood and everything. It's very clear. So Um, I was already really confident that my self-diagnosis was accurate. So once I really started leaning into it, I just decided, but it wasn't until the Uber stuff happened that I consciously decided I am not Ubering, Ubering. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I am not, well, I'm not Ubering anymore. Um, but I'm not, (laughs) I'm not masking for, for the corporate world anymore. Like I'm not doing that anymore. Mm. Um, I hesitate to say that as like some big empowering thing because it is incredibly necessary, the ability to mask. And so we're not in a, in a world where I can just, it's not sunshine and rainbows where I can be like, no, be yourself. Like you can't be yourself at work, unfortunately. Like you can't. So I don't don't want to like, I don't want to make people feel bad for not deciding to do that themselves because you shouldn't. I just kind of snapped. and decided I wasn't anymore for better or for worse. So, yeah. Um, As we come to an end for today's episode, um, I want to end with uh, community and finding your tribe. So Mm -hmm. since coming in your awareness that you are on the spectrum, you know, now you're, you know, form, formally diagnosed. It, it, the autism journey doesn't end there. Did you find, yeah. did you find that, you know, did relationships change? Did friendships end? Um, did you find like new friends? Like how are you finding community in your tribe within the autistic community? Yeah. Um, it's a good question. I, I'm definitely someone who like, I had a really, solid group of five girlfriends that I've had since high school. And they were like my circle, you know, and I also have, um, I have three siblings and, you know, my parents and my siblings and I are super close in age. We're all a year or less apart, literally less some of us. And, Mm -hmm. um, so we've always been friends and stuff, but what I, what I realized with getting diagnosed and kind of coming into that was there was a mix of, them not being able to adjust the way they saw me and me really wanting them to. Like I was like finding out all of these reasons why I was having so many struggles in all of these situations. And I was finding like the solution and I was excited about that. And I think the, my group of girlfriends really wanted I think their desire was like, just to be like, okay, we love you. We support you. That's awesome. We love that you're autistic. That's great. And then just go back to normal. Mm-hmm. And like the reality of the situation is like, no, now I need you to talk to me. Like I'm autistic. Like now I need you. Now I need you to understand that, you know, things are not implicit with me. So please say things out loud. And like those sorts of things, like I, I want you now to treat me like I'm autistic actually. Right. And that doesn't mean a negative thing. It's just, we communicate differently. We think differently. We process differently. And I also wanted understanding. Mm. Like I felt like I struggled with like, you know, I have like really significant, like my meltdowns are just like hours of crying, like shaking, mm-hmm. rocking, crying. <laughs> like, yeah. And so my siblings have on occasion caught that and seen that of course. And like, 
there was such a block of like, I don't know. It's like, it's almost like the kind of thing of like, you're never famous in your hometown. It's like, no one will ever be able to adjust the way that they see you and therefore what they expect of you. And I was feeling really trapped by that. And it really was a challenge for us, but there was also a lot of other stuff I'll say because for me, and this is like a whole nother episode, but for me coming, like realizing that I was autistic, I realized how much masking I was doing. And I realized that a lot of masking I was doing was also closeting and I, I'm a lesbian and I came out. And so there's also a lot of that tied into my relationships having a lot of trouble that it doesn't have anything to do with my autism. They just don't like gay people. So, (laughs) um, so that's kind of another thing, but I will say like, like meeting people, um, both, both meeting people in the community, like autistic and ADHD people and making those sorts of friendships has been so incredible, but then also just meeting people in general, meeting new people now, I get to meet them as me now. And so they don't have any expectations to adjust. Right. And it's so much easier. It's kind of like when I was going through the process of coming out, I would come out to everyone I, I newly met because I was comfortable with them knowing that about me before I told like people that grew up with me because I was nervous about them changing their opinion of me. Right. So, so now it's easier for me to make new friends, but it definitely was really, really challenging in my, my like existing friendships. That was definitely really hard. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I am. I came, I, I am part of the LGBT plus community, a, a demisexual, Okay. And the demi the demisexualness came first before the autism. Funny oh, yeah. how that that works out. And so it's like another uh, another coming out with like yeah. the the autism part, and then finding community. Really? Yeah. So like so, yeah, definitely, definitely similar. There is definite intersectionality. So when it came for me, like finding community and support, like first it was like finding um, the adult adult women mm-hmm. or, or adult autism groups. So I found a couple that, that I like. Um, and then I found like a queer on the spectrum, autistic and queer group. Uh, pretty. Um, I'm there. I'm there as well as, as well. And so it's just, yeah, it's definitely comforting in the on, in the online space and just meeting a lot of autistics where, you know, they don't have that level of support in the 3D world either. Mm-hmm. I lucked out. I mean, yeah, I definitely lucked, lucked out in finding an, in a, I was so desperate. Like my path, you know, yes, I was experiencing discrimination and harassment at my job with this one particular manager. That And that was mm-hmm. an interesting dynamic because I was also getting support. Like there were other managers at that company who hated my manager. So okay. they, you know, the like they were real like willing to help me as much as possible. I even tried to get transferred to a different department mm-hmm. um, that didn't like pan out. So it's like, okay, yeah, you know, my manager was a piece of work for sure. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you know, I was getting some intel from the other managers of like, yeah she's been, she's been a problem forever. We've complained. They'll do nothing about it. And then one manager was like, your best bet is finding another job. Your best bet. Cause we've tried nothing. Wow. And I'm um, like, okay. So I started finding a job while I was on my pip 
um, during that time. And I get, I, you know, I knew about documentation. So I did document, I had like screenshots and timelines of her bullying behavior, like actual evidence. They didn't care. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know what? It was like, it was pretty bad because, you know, they, when they let me go, they kept paying me Mm -hmm. for like an additional like pay cycle. So that That means they they did something. Yeah. You know, but instead of getting rid of her, they got rid of, rid of me. But, you know, I mean, karma or the truth will reveal itself. 10 months later, she got fired. Mm. She ended up getting fired. Like her behavior was just out of control. And they did try, I mean, it's so funny. Like they did try, they demoted her. They gave her a new manager. They told her like, yeah, you're not, you're, you're not in charge of your department anymore. This new person Mm -hmm. is. And she was like, fuck that. Gave her new manager hell. And then new manager went to her manager. was like, you see what's going on. Right. So finally, I mean, it's like, they just couldn't ignore the truth. And plus she was like, she was treating our third party vendor, which is a significant relationship that the company yeah. that I was working for, and they, they were complaining about her and um, yeah, they got, they got rid of her. It's like, I'm like, Oh, I'm like, Oh, to be a fly on that wall, <clears throat> to be a fly on that wall. So anyway, community, even during that situation, I had, I had some intel and friends um, like help help me with with that, um, but they were like more maybe more temp like temp temporary in that si- like situation. Like some of the former employers, I'm um, connect I've connected with them, um, but like you know in terms of like long like okay the fellow autistic people that the adult autistic people that I need to connect with. It's, mm-hmm. I've found those groups and, and yeah, some, some friends, I mean, even before I got diagnosed, I've lost, I've lost friends and yeah. it's, and it's the losing of friends that really threw me for a loop. I thought I was just having normal reactions, but you know, having sad feelings, you know, nothing wrong with that, but my, my feelings were really intense and it takes me a long time, especially romantic breakups. It took me a long time, like, like Mm -hmm. years. I wouldn't Mm -hmm. date any other person. Um, and years, like knowing what I know now, it's okay. You know, maybe I could have those feelings, but maybe not, not spend like years of my life, like room, like ruminating and I I found that with you know just finding new people or finding a new a new tribe to connect with because they post about breakups and whatnot and they're uh, it's all in like text and and stuff but they're like describing exactly what I was going through with a certain person or some or some guy and and like just feeling hopeless and yeah. and whatnot it's like it's okay be gentle with yourself and yep. you know when I'm dealing with big big changes so it's very comforting yeah definitely oh. <laughs> on that note um where can where can people find you yeah. Um, you know, I, I do a, a lot of, uh, a lot of my talking is on LinkedIn. So 
definitely fake science on LinkedIn. Um, I also uh, am on TikTok. It's at Neurotalent Consulting. Uh, my website is neurotalentconsulting.com. And um, yeah, I will just do like a totally shameless plug that I have a webinar coming up um, on August 25th. Uh, it is uh, designed for uh, talent acquisition professionals, HR professionals, but also just if you're someone who hires a lot of people, right? It, maybe you don't have your own like recruiting team at a, a smaller company, but you're a manager who hires a lot of people. Just teaching people how to open up their process to be more neuroinclusive to different neurotypings, um, namely uh, autism and ADHD. So um, that all the information uh, is going to be on my LinkedIn. And um, I don't actually think I officially published it on my website yet, but it will be uh, very soon. So um, you can find all that information. But um, yeah, that's me. Awesome. And all that, all of Faith's information, um, her contact information and information for that webinar, uh, it's on Eventbrite to uh, Mm -hmm. register, will be on. And hey, if you missed the webinar, just follow Faith. She is coming out with some new new events and get on, follow her on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and TikTok and you'll get the information as it is. As it comes yeah. out, really, really exciting that you're um, creating, um, creating the creating your own opportunities, like creating your own web webinars and yeah. being I'm self-supporting that way. Yeah, you, know, you gotta I, drive it like you stole it. That's what my grandma always said. <laughs> cool. funny all right if you like this episode give it five stars on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts um if anyone wants a personal video message from me get me on cameo i'm on twitter and linkedin check out the show notes for for that and support support the pod buy me coffee that's how it keep that's your donations and subscriptions help keep this pod going and helps me to produce like fun fun and exclusive content for subscribers and those who follow so uh thank you again faith for coming on the pod would love to have you back open invitation sure awesome i can't wait okay thank you so much thank you (laughs) bye everyone see you next time 